OETA, Oklahoma's home for public television. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Oklahoma News Report podcast. I'm Oklahoma News Report anchor and news director Rich Lenz. Each week on our show, we do an in-depth segment with a handful of panelists covering a timely topic. Recently, the proposed redistricting maps for the state were made public, and there's quite a bit of controversy around Congressional District 5. As the legislature gears up to enter the special session on Monday, we brought together a panel to discuss the process. A quick disclaimer, our Republican panelist, Representative Daniel Pay, did have to duck out last minute. So while we did our best to aim for a balanced conversation, for more information on how the other side sees the issue, you'll need to tune back in for our continuing coverage as this story develops. With that, I'll hand it off to moderator, Susan Cadeau. Thank you, Rich. Yeah, this will probably be an ongoing issue for Oklahomans and for our lawmakers uh, to wrangle with in the coming months, in the coming year. And I'd like to introduce our panel of guests who are here to help us begin to sort all of this out. First, we have Representative Emily Virgin. She's a Democrat from Norman and co-vice chair of the House Committee for State and Federal Redistricting. We also have Annie Moore, who is the executive director of People, Not Politicians, um, which is an anti-gerrymandering organization. And we have Trevor, Trevor Brown, um, government issues reporter for our content partners at Oklahoma Watch. Thank you all very much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to begin with our representative, uh, Representative Virgin. Um, 2020's census became something of a controversial topic as then-President Trump wanted to, to cut the census-taking short. Oklahoma said that the numbers, though, were solid for our state. How much confidence um, do lawmakers have and do you have in those numbers from the latest census? Well, I think we have a great deal of confidence because the time was lengthened. So any issues that were created by the pandemic or uh, that the Trump administration created by undercounting, I think that we have seen a, a correction in that with the lengthening of time uh, that that census data was collected. And so normally when we would have drawn the legislative districts for a, a final districts would have been in May, we did that, but we're coming back in special session to fix those problems that may have been created by using old numbers or inaccurate numbers. So I think that we do have confidence in those. Um, I haven't seen anything that would cause me to have uh, concerns with that because, like I said, I think that the Biden administration came in and, and made sure as a priority of their administration that those numbers were correct. Thank you. Andy, I want to come to you next. Now, those numbers showed a 5.5% growth. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And that's about 200,000 people. Where have those people landed in Oklahoma? Yeah. So 200,000 people statewide are new, but we've seen a big shift in where those new people have moved and, and where people within the state moved over the last 10 years away from rural areas and towards the metropolitan centers, the urban areas of Oklahoma City and Tulsa in particular, and the surrounding suburbs. Trevor, I want to come to you. This year's redistricting is happening in a special session called by the governor rather than doing it during a normal session. Why is that? So there's a delay in the Census Bureau actually delivering the data to the states. So this is one of the, the issues where it's not Oklahoma's fault. Uh, the Census Bureau had to take us more time than expected. Um, ideally, they would have liked to wrap this up during the regular session that ended in May, but 
they didn't have the data. They had some data for the state legislative maps, but not the congressional maps. So that's what they'll be returning to do. And as the final step in laying this foundation for our viewers to understand where we are, Representative, I'd like to come to you. Where are we in the process? There are several steps in the redistricting process, correct? Yes, there are many steps, but really all that's laid out in statutes and in the Constitution is that the legislature must redraw the districts every 10 years. So any other steps are imposed by the legislature itself. And so the steps that we've laid out include town halls, they include public map submissions, and some committee meetings as well. And I'll say that the process for the legislative districts and the congressional districts have been quite different, and we'll probably get to that a little later in the discussion. But what I'd like the viewers to know is that we have a, a pretty good base for where we're at on the legislative districts. But with the congressional districts, we're having this conversation for the first time. So that's what we'll be doing in uh, the special session is just making some tweaks to the legislative districts, but having the conversation about the congressional districts for the first time. Andy, is there any controversy with what's coming up so far? Oh, yeah. For yeah, congressional districts? Yeah. yeah, most definitely. Uh, to Representative Virgin's point, uh, the legislature held uh, 25 uh, town hall meetings, uh, some in person uh, and a few virtual uh, as they prepared to draw the state legislative districts. However, uh, they only held five or six, uh, ver uh, um, they only held five, five or six uh, town hall meetings for the congressional redistricting, even though there's only five congressional districts and each of those spans, uh, you know, tens of thousands of square miles uh, and represents uh, nearly 800,000 people. And so we've seen the amount of feedback that's been provided being very lackluster. Uh, I mean, I think it's fewer than 100 comments were filed with the legislature as it relates to congressional redistricting. And the map that we've seen that they, they released last week and they'll be voting on next week uh, is exactly what you'd expect uh, when politicians are in charge of, of drawing their own districts. It's a map that, that reflects not the public's best interests, but uh, but incumbent politicians' best interests, that being getting reelected. Trevor, I want to ask you, you've been uh, looking at this a lot. Why are Republicans unhappy? Why are Republican uh, folks across Oklahoma and lawmakers, um, well, they say there's not much change. I think um, others say there is. So I've gotten that on the wrong end of the stick, but you sort it out for me. Yeah, so the big district that we're looking at is Congressional District 5. That covers Oklahoma County and some of the surrounding counties and areas. Um, this is really the only competitive congressional race in the past really decade. Um, Democrat Kendra Horn won it in 2018, and now Stephanie Bice, who claimed it in 2020, is the, uh, the representative there. But as the Oklahoma City area has grown. It's also becoming more of a purple area. It's kind of a toss-up. It's it's been a lot of you know national sites, you know, races to watch. And you know, we're looking at a razor thin, possibly um, U.S. House, um, you know, margin with the toss-up between Republicans and Democrats. And you know, this one could go either way. But Republicans have strengthened their position in it in the proposed map that was released recently. And that's going to make it really hard for Democrats to claim it once again. So we have this map. I was showing you guys my, all my maps I had printed off earlier, and I know we have a map to show everyone. 
but what's the change in the 5th Congressional District uh, that might be a little troubling for some? There are quite a few changes. I think that most folks who are looking at this independently would see that there have been some pretty drastic changes to the 5th District. And since Trevor laid out that this district has been one that Democrats have been competitive in, it's not necessarily surprising that Republicans drew it pretty dramatically different than it was in the past. But I think the biggest issue for us is in the southwest portion of Oklahoma County. And that means that um, areas like South Oklahoma City, Capitol Hill area, those are being shoved into the third congressional district. And what that does is essentially make the fifth district less competitive. But so that's from a political standpoint. But just for those folks who live in those areas that the southwest portion of Oklahoma County, and then it creeps up to um, some northern portions as well, the Plaza District being one of those notable areas being really? put into being put into the same congressional district as the Panhandle. Um, what folks who live there are saying is that that makes no sense that in terms of the issues that are important to them or the issues that their communities are facing, they're very different from those in uh, the traditional Western portion of the state in Congressional District 3. And so what we're seeing from my perspective and from I think all of the House Democrats would tell you that um, what we're seeing right now is just an attempt to make the 5th Congressional District less competitive and in doing so, diluting some of those really important voices on the southwest and uh, northwest sides of Oklahoma County. Andy, I want to read a couple of quotes, and, and, and one of them is from Oklahoma Watch, Trevor's, Trevor's shop. But uh, a quote in the Oklahoman from Senator Lonnie Paxton, who is a Republican from Tuttle, uh, said, many of the map changes were the result of growth in suburban areas, which you all have said, and a lot of our districts shifted more toward the population centers of Oklahoma City and Tulsa. And then from Oklahoma Watch, uh, State Senator Julie Daniels, a Republican from Bartlesville, is quoted as expressing similar concerns to what we just heard from the representative. Um, she says her argument would be against three districts touching Oklahoma County, and the reason is that you can end up with four urban Congress people and only one representing rural Oklahoma. Uh, does that kind of gel with how you feel? Andy? Yeah, these maps. Are, yeah, these maps are not good for people who live in Oklahoma City or people who live in rural areas. Uh, the the contrast would be the first district, the district by Tulsa, which the legislature has made more compact, and that district makes a lot of sense. But here in the fifth district, they made it much larger than it has been. And in fact, you could draw the fifth district with just one single county. It could be contained within Oklahoma County by itself. Uh, in fact, the map that, that my organization that I submitted to the legislature did just that. Uh, we drew it with just people who live in Oklahoma County. And that is arguably the most compact and most common sense district you could have in the entire country. Uh, we did this uh, very intentionally. Uh, you'll see in Southern Oklahoma County, we did carve out a section for Tinker Air Force Base to keep that in the fourth district, which was some feedback that we'd received from a lot of people and has been the case for the last couple of decades. Uh, but otherwise, it is, it's almost entirely Oklahoma County, uh, and it reaches that ideal number, and it keeps communities of interest together. Uh, as Representative Virgin said, by dividing Oklahoma County between three districts, you pull neighbor away from neighbor 
and you make their, vo their voice and their vote diluted. Uh, and for a lot of folks, especially those in South Oklahoma City, uh, it's, it's hard to see this as anything else besides uh, voter disenfranchisement. Uh, that portion of Oklahoma County, the Southwest portion of Oklahoma City that has been uh, proposed by the legislature to move into the third district is almost entirely Latino. It is, uh, in, in fact, it includes half of yeah. the Latino or the Hispanic community in Oklahoma County. Uh, and so to cut the Hispanic community in half, um, simply to score a few uh, political points is regardless of your party affiliation, it's the wrong thing to do. We've seen comments from the speaker and others that said that, well, people in South Oklahoma City share the same language with people out in the panhandle in Guymon. Well, that's true, but they also share the same language with people here in their same county, right? People who live in Edmond that speak Spanish. Um, there's way more that bonds a person to their community than merely the language they speak. Uh, and we think it is, it is a shame. It is a, 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 clearly a political uh, effort to divide Oklahoma County uh, and it's hurtful perhaps through a competitiveness lens, but more importantly, just through a human lens. This is the wrong thing to do. Jeff, I wanna ask you, um, I held up one map. I have several. How many maps have come into play on this? And um, why has this one become the prevailing, the pre prevailing map thus far? Yeah, so in this process, uh, well, the legislature did something new in allowing the public to submit their own maps. There's a uh, program called Dave's Redistricting App that pretty much allowed you to kind of just play around and make your own maps. It was not that hard to do. Um, groups like Andy's submitted their map. I think there was nine other um, people around the state that submitted maps. The map that we see now is the official proposal from the redistricting committee, which is Republican um, led, even though there's co-chairs such as the representative here. Um, you know, Republicans are in the driving seat in this. They have, you know, super majorities in the House and Senate and then Governor Stitt, a Republican as the governor, um, you know, they're going to have to say, so this is the map that they will be looking at when they return to uh, the special session next week. It's possible there could be amendments, changes. Um, I wouldn't hold my breath on that personally. Um, we're probably going to see that map be the map that's voted on ultimately. Representative, when all the maps comes in, come in, who sees those maps and who decides what's moving forward? For everyone out there who's wondering how this works, who's doing it? Yeah, I think it's important, especially here, to distinguish between the process of the legislative districts, our state legislative districts in the House and the Senate, and the congressional districts that we've been talking about mostly here in this discussion. In the legislative districts, we had a pretty comprehensive process that involved committees that were made up of legislators from each region. And there were several meetings held uh, with those legislators. And then as Andy mentioned, many, many town halls, yeah. and we had a public submission process there as well. So that process, although it did still involve politicians picking their voters, um, it was more out in the open, more transparent, and I think that um, I have a higher degree of confidence and the public probably has a higher degree of confidence in that process as imperfect as it was. But with the congressional districts, what we saw was really none of that. Um, we saw a few town halls, we saw a few public um, comments and some map submissions, but the first time 
time that I, as a co-chair, co-vice chair of the redistricting committee, saw these maps was when they were released to the general public. And so I really had no input in what these maps looked like other than the public map submission process and that hearing. But even at that hearing, the, the folks who submitted those maps one of which turned out to be pretty close to the final map that we saw, the folks who submitted those maps were not, most of them were not in attendance. So we couldn't ask questions about why certain areas of Oklahoma City were put into the third congressional district, why other counties were put into the fifth congressional district, things like that. So we really haven't had an open and transparent process. This really harkens back to what we think of when we think of redistricting and the legislative process in general, which is some closed door backroom hearing um, where just a few people are involved in drawing these maps. So I wish I had a better answer for you in terms of who drew these maps, but the reality is that we don't know. We're just really guessing at this point. Well, let's have this next question for anyone who wants to answer. When they give the maps to, you know, representative said she didn't see them until the public saw them. Who's releasing the maps? Who gives the representatives the maps? Who's responsible for that? Well, I'll chime in with what I know. If you go back and watch the early committee meetings back at the beginning of session uh, in February of this, of this year, uh, you'll see discussion about the rules and who has access to the offices where the maps are held. Uh, they they lock the doors. They the offices are set aside by themselves, uh, and even in the house, some members of the committee had to really fight for the for the ability to access that office. Uh, so from the very beginning, this has been cloaked uh, in in secrecy. Uh, we know that the staff behind it are the ones that are drawing the maps. Leadership undoubtedly has input in that. We know that current or you know, sitting congressional representatives have input in that. Um, but not most Oklahomans and not even all members of the legislature. And, and I think that really highlights the fact that this is a map that has been drawn by politicians, for politicians, and in a state like this, particularly by one party. Now, I'll say we've seen the same kind of gerrymandering by Democrats in other states. The map in Illinois is an egregious example of gerrymandering up there. Uh, gerrymandering is not just a partisan issue. It is a power issue. Whichever party is in power uh, we'll do it. And, and that's why we need to change the system in Oklahoma to have redistricting done by an independent commission of citizens who aren't tied to the process. Okay. So this leads me to several, every answer you guys give leads me to several more questions. So Trevor, I'm going to come to you on, the, um, Andy brought up gerrymandering. First, I'd like you to explain for our viewers what gerrymandering is in case anyone doesn't know. And second, doesn't Oklahoma have laws to prevent gerrymandering? So gerrymandering basically is just rewriting a map unfairly, giving one party power or more power over another one. Now, there's nothing inherently illegal about, there's no law saying you can't gerrymander. There's, um, you know, rules and, you know, constitution, you know, having one person, one vote. And there's some provisions along, you know, racial gerrymandering. But the courts have routinely rejected challenges on partisan gerrymandering alone. That means that it's pretty much up to the politicians, like Andy said, to rewrite the rules. Um, you know, I'm sure he can speak to it more, but there's a number of states that have developed independent redistricting panels to avoid this, where there's Republicans and Democrats 
you know, here, like in many other states, it's just the party that's in power. 20 years ago, that would have been the Democrats. Now it's Republicans. Representative, you don't know who drew up the congressional maps, point blank, correct? Yeah, I well, I don't have any direct evidence of who drew them, and I didn't see them be drawn. I think what Andy said is probably accurate, um, that, of course, the staff, the redistricting staff in the House and the Senate, and then we know from, I think, Congressman Cole's comments that they that the incumbent members of Congress were involved in drawing the districts as well. Um, but in terms of, you know, were political consultants involved? Were folks that were partisan in nature involved in this, aside from legislators? We don't know who was actually involved other than, you know, what we can guess on the public map submission process. A, a pretty prominent Republican consultant was uh, one of the folks who submitted one of the public map submissions. And then the map that has come out as the final map is pretty similar to the one that he submitted. So it looks like just piecing things together that you know this was a map that was created by people who were wanting to make sure that Republicans hold on to power. And as Andy said, of course, that's not exclusive to the Republican Party. Democrats do it as well. This is just what happens when politicians are involved in picking the people who vote for them. And is this by definition then gerrymandering? And I'll let anyone answer that question. I'll say, yes, this is gerrymandering. Uh, <laughs> drawing maps for political purposes is the definition of gerrymandering. And, you know, I don't think anyone else has said it, but the, the person in the Senate staff that's responsible for drawing the maps uh, is the former chief of staff to, uh, to Todd Lamb when he was lieutenant governor and was his campaign manager, I believe, when he, uh, when he ran for governor. Uh, and then, yeah, we've seen a Republican consultant. We've seen the former political director for the state Republican Party submit maps. Um, undoubtedly, people that are connected to the members of the legislature and the members of Congress that are in power. One person who submitted a map is a business partner with a current member of Congress. Uh, these are not just regular everyday Oklahomans who are submitting maps. This is uh, people that have been recruited or have ties to those in power that have been recruited or asked to submit maps. Uh, and, that, and that circumvents, I think, the principles of, of freedom and fair representation that, that most Oklahomans um, believe that our state should embrace. Representative, I'm going to give you the last word. When it comes to redistricting, what would you like to see happen this year, or if it's too late this year, 10 years from now when all of this goes around again? Well, it's really not too late this year. What needs to happen this year is for Oklahomans to contact their members of the legislature in the House and the Senate and let them know how they feel about these maps, because we'll be voting on them next week, but that vote is not final by any means. Um, we can still redraw these maps in a more fair and open process. In the next 10 years though, I think that what we've seen this year and what we've seen when Democrats were in charge in the legislature was, uh, was, was all the case you need to prove that independent redistricting is what we need in this state because Frankly, politicians can't be trusted to take their self-interest out of the process. And so giving that power to folks who 
don't have a vested interest in keeping these districts red or blue or um, with one group of folks or another who don't have a vested interest in power, I think is is really the only way for us to go and, and make this process better. So um, that could be accomplished from the legislature, but more likely it's something that would be accomplished by the voters through an initiative petition process. Um, so that I hope that the next time we draw the line, it's not politicians who have a self-interest doing it. Wonderful. I'd like to thank all three of you for this wonderful information and, and for your time today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Support independent journalism in Oklahoma. Donate at OETA.tv slash podcast. That's OETA.tv slash podcast. From OETA, Oklahoma's home for public television. Mm -hmm.